Hello there. We would be honored if you would join us. You're right about one thing, Captain. Hello there and welcome to the Ahsoka Review Podcast. This is episode number three, so welcome, welcome. Hope you're keeping well and safe. Uh, if you're listening over on Spark of Rebellion, that's our sister show, by the way, where we round out the Star Wars news each and every week, then welcome to you guys as well. We're going to be chatting through part four, Fallen Jedi for the Ahsoka uh, Review episode this week. My name's Gary, I'm one of your co-hosts, and before I bring on my other co-host... Just a wee reminder to make sure that you're following or subscribing. If the first time listening to the review show, then make sure you do that as you follow our thoughts and breakdowns as we go through the rest of the episode. And like I said, this is going out on our sister show as well, Spark Rebellion. So make sure you give that a follow and the like as well, because we round out all the Star Wars news each week. For the busy Star Wars fan that doesn't want to have to mess around with RSS feeds and social media and all that jazz. So with that being said, I'm going to bring on the other guy, the other dude, my co my co-founder, in nerdpodcast.com, by the way, which is part of the network that you're listening to right now. It's Mr. Mark Asquith. How you doing, buddy? What up, dude? I am good, 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 good. Star wars out this week. Good. Star Wars, yeah. Busy time, isn't it, for Star Wars? Books arriving. New Disney Plus stuff. Watching the animated gear. I'll read you. Read you. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Mm. There is a lot of stuff. And uh, the books... There's always something going on with the books. Like they're just there's a thousand of them, but uh, yeah, always. it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, good times, man. Good times. So we're going to dive straight into our review, and uh, as we always do, a quick recap on what we're about to talk about. So in part four, Fallen Jedi, we have Ahsoka and Sabine who have crash landed on the planet in the forest. They are after um, the the star map, which has been. Uh, which is now in the hands of Morgan and Balin, etc. They need to grab that so that uh, they can they can go and uh, and either retrieve Ezra and stop Thrawn or destroying the star map so that nobody can get them. Which causes a little bit of tension between Ahsoka and Sabine. While this is going on, we have Hera who's trying to get some support from the New Republic Senate, but is getting nowhere with that. So she just says "f you" to those guys, rounds up some X-wing dudes, and uh, and goes to help those guys anyway and then in the midst of that we also have um the the um the the uh, Balin and Shin those guys have uh, uh, are sent to to put a stopper on Ahsoka and Sabine progressing through the forest to get to the star map so that Morgan can make the jump in this new big eye of Scion ship to go and retrieve Thrawn etc etc so dude what are your thoughts on a score off the bat for this one yeah it was this episode was it's it's weird to say this but it's almost like to me it's almost like um it had a feel of like the last jedi to it it had a lot of sequel trilogy motifs to it you know the forest fights the um i'm not saying this because i want anyone to go gray jedi but i'm saying the gray areas in the force especially with balen and so on and so forth like he's an immense character a lot of gray areas to that guy he's not as black and white as i am bad you are good He's very nuanced and Ray Stevenson absolutely crushes it every time. Like he's the standout without a doubt. Um, and it reminds me of The Last Jedi. It reminded me of that because of all that and all the sort of, all the, even all the connective tissue between the OT, um, like the shots in the X-Wing are just straight out of the OT. Like literally, it's like they just pulled the film. Um, 
and, and the space battles are outstanding. There was a lot of, obviously talk about the Scion with the Holdo style manoeuvre graphics and the visual effects. But then there was a lot of Rebels in it. There was a lot of um, prequel era stuff in it, as we'll talk about later as, as, as we saw that ending. Um, so I thought it was excellent, man. And even before the ending, which I know we'll get to, because this is huge spoiler territory. So like anyone listening, like just it is going to be spoiler territory. So, you know, you need to have watched this and you need to be happy with spoilers um before the ending i was like this is a this is at least like an eight eight and a half out of ten because it was just good um and if you watch like the master and apprentice little eight minute little mini documentary sort of thing on on disney plus floney says something that made me think he was like this is star wars now so the lightsaber battles have to be good that's their weapon and like the lightsaber battles were badass um Lots of little nuance in it. I loved the whole Sabine, uh, you know, falling to the ground, trying to do that mega force thing that we thought would come to fruition. It didn't, but then Shin sort of, she moves her head back, like sort of flinches as if she's going to, and that's the realisation there's no power. Um, it was it, it was just very, very well done. Every, you know, like the Hugh Yang fight, like something out of real steel. Um, just all of it was just excellently, excellently, excellently done. And that's before we get to any of the Scion stuff, any of the Sabine stuff, the ending, before we get to any of that. So I think with the ending, which we'll talk about inevitably, with the ending, it's got to be a nine. It has got to be a nine. And that's not even anything to do with fan service. It's just because it was really good. It was like, it's sort of weird because when we look at like the Patterson cut, of, of Obi-Wan, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. If we talk like that is ultimate fan service, like you lose all the emotional beats. When you look at all the episodes of Ahsoka up to now, it's like a chapter is done and they've taken the time to get to that chapter. If it, it like, it would almost be perfectly paced for a movie. If you were to watch it all back without the credits, just but not edit it and just watch it back without the credits, I think it would be a reasonably well-paced movie. And this is, for me, this is the end of... I want to say the end of like act two, um, you know, the end of act one was, was for me last week. And maybe that's the only pace, slight pacing thing. If it was a movie is that maybe act two would have been a bit longer, but it feels like we're entering act three now with maybe a little digression next week, which we'll get to. So yeah, it's gotta be a nine dude. What about you? Interesting. Yeah. So my score's up there as well. Do I think my score's an eight and a half ish um, for it, mainly because some of the things that you mentioned, it, it was, Production-wise, just fantastic. Some really, really good stuff in there, like movie-quality stuff going on, like the the choreography for the lightsaber battles, the um, the the you know, like Hugh Yang, like the way he moves. Like, because it's one thing to just have a, a droid sort of potter around and do stuff fairly static. It's another one to see them in combat and, and move around and stuff. So that was really good, and just the the atmosphere of the planet that they're on as well. This this whole forest thing and even when they go out to the outcrop where they've got the star map um stuff there it's all just got a great atmosphere to it and and it's done really well it's it's not one of those things where it's just white corridors right it's not it's, it's not that ot um in that respect however those nods that you mentioned to the ot were very very cool like almost the same camera framing as the battle on uh the death star trench run and all that stuff you know when you see those all the red um, group conversing and stuff like that. So bang on, really cool, felt Star Wars in that respect. And then the thing that just pushed it over the edge. So it was it was about an eight for me. 
And then that thing that push it over the edge is probably for you as well, is when we see Ahsoka at the end in what's likely to be the world between worlds and seeing Anakin and stuff. So we'll we'll chat about that stuff later on. But so yeah, probably an eight and a half, nine uh, for me as well, dude. Some cracking stuff in this one. Just want to pick up on the title just very quickly. Would you did you like the the um the the multi layered meaning behind the title? Because I thought that was fairly cool yeah. because you initially thought it was just um, about Sabine, if that's your take on the show so far, or you thought it was about the literal meaning of Ahsoka falling off the cliff at the end, or it was about um, Balin and Shin being, you know, you know, not like Jedi, or Anakin at the end being the ultimate mm. fallen Jedi in this era of Star Wars anyway. So that was kind of cool, I thought, for Baloney to come up with that title. That was very cool. Yeah, it was, man. And I... I, I... It was so many layers. I, I I debate whether we're going to see Ahsoka return as something ever so slightly different with a different mindset, whether that is a mindset or whether it's a physicality. Um, I'm saying that based on, and this has been thrown around for years, but the whole Gandalf Ahsoka drawing that Filoni did back in what, 08? Um, this is, Filoni's now at the end of his journey with Ahsoka and that original band of characters. I think he's got a lot more Star Wars in him, but I feel like he's, I don't necessarily want to say swan songing with his movie and with, with Ahsoka and so on, but I, I, the, the movie's going to be led up to by this series without a shadow of a doubt. Um, so it makes it, and, and I think you're going to start to see Mando season four lead into this as well. So it's, you know, it feels like we're tying everything together in an end game sort of fashion. So yeah, I liked that because I think it, it gives them scope to do something with Ahsoka. I think it was an interesting look at Balin. I think it was an interesting look at Anakin. It was an interesting look at Sabine. Um, and and again, not wanting to kind of beat on about this one, but, you know, there's there's Luke's Jedi Academy knocking around somewhere. You know, is, is this the opportunity? Because that goes sort of pear-shaped in a few years from this timeline anyway. You know, is is does this foreshadow something you know is, is this the whole like the jedi just aren't like you, you you can do what you want to try and bring it back to what it used to be but it just won't be it just simply won't be um so yeah in short man i, I really liked the the symbolic nature of that title because you could like you said you could look at that from like 10 different perspectives yes yeah true and there was another a lot of people have said that there's another um lord of the rings reference in this episode where we have the whole thing with um uh um, Elrond shouting to uh, what's his name uh, to destroy the ring in the sort of prologue um, to begin with and you have a so yeah. a very similar thing where she's like you know destroy you know destroy it and it's Sabine that's that's the one because she forms a kind of a lot of people saying it's a it's a weird alliance I don't think it's an alliance I think it's um because there's a bit in the episode where Balin very cleverly uses an emotional anchor to sort of say look don't destroy the map. I'll help you. You have my word. I'll help you to go and do the thing we need to do with Thrawn. You know, I'm not going to say that uh, we'll just abandon the plan. We'll still go ahead with that. So you're still in the shit <laughs> either way. But as an offshoot, you'll be able to get your friend back. So you have my word that nothing will happen to you. And we'll do that. So she falls for that, gives him the star map, and then they're on their way. And again, very cleverly, he destroys the the star map so that nobody can track them because he's a he knows now that all the tech's in place, the eye of Sion's ready to rock and roll, they had the coordinates, it's all ready to go. 
so he can safely destroy it. So that was a really cool thing. And that kind of reference kind of leads into that, really leans into that kind of, although there's a greater good and there's a greater thing to accomplish here, which would have been accomplished if she'd have destroyed the map. Um, there's always that emotional thing, something to be gained, you know, which is kind of, yeah, kind of Tolkien-esque, I guess. Um, so your thoughts on Sabine in this one, and before we get to some of the other characters, because she was, again, relatively pivotal in, in what happened. And you can see why everything that's happening in this episode and the previous one, you can kind of see why there was that fracture previously between Ahsoka and Sabine. There's, they've obviously got what looks like a common goal with things, but when it comes down to it, they're very, very different people with different things. So Ahsoka's learned via Anakin and via the previous Jedi that she's knocked about with that the emotional attachment side of things is very, very um, difficult to balance as a Jedi. You know, we've seen that with Luke in the past and some other people, whereas Sabine, she can't seem to get over that thing. You know, she, although she tries very much to to have the lightsaber moves down and, you know, she wants to be what feels like a Jedi up front. She just can't seem to get past that. So your thoughts on Sabine, you know, she's the emotional side of things is, is kind of, you know, not sitting well with Ahsoka, it seems. Yeah. And I think that's sort of an interesting character beat for Ahsoka as well. Cause she, like she's talking absolute BS. Like she's got a massive emotional attachment to Anakin. You know, the, the, everything's about Anakin. It's like when you don't, you know, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm I'm over my ex, but everything is talking about him. You know, you see that all the time in 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 youngins, and it's 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 the it feels the same sort of thing with Ahsoka. You know, she everything is about Anakin. It always is, and she feels to me like pissed off Luke. You know, she has let in her mind herself down and everyone else because of that attachment to Anakin that she still can't get over, and it's the same with Luke with Ben in the Last Jedi. You know, he's he's gone he's gone pro hermit. Because it was his, it was his nephew, and he, you know, however you read the, the the interpretation of what happened with them, it went tits up. So I sort of get that. Um, what's interesting with Sabine is it's like you know, Ahsoka's sort of saying, well, you know, you, we don't want you to be a Jedi, but like do the do the hardest bit of the Jedi stuff instead of just get that like instead of just be willing to fight and sacrifice stuff like yourself, but because we saw that through Rebel, she's willing to. Or, you know, learn the Jedi lightsaber who's become an absolute badass warrior because you're already Mandalorian, so you're already pretty good. It's like, no, do the hard bit that none of us has been able to do really that well. You know, and even Yoda, if you look at Yoda, yeah, gave up attachment. Did he? Like, did he? Because he went into exile to wait for someone. Like, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't go to exile just to hide and to wait for nothing. He went to wait for the new hope in Luke. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and I know that, you know, Obi-Wan's the same thing. Like, oh yeah, you've got no attachment to Luke. Well, don't take him toys then. You know, it's, <laughs> it's you can watch and you can guard and you can be the Jedi, but don't take him the freaking fire. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's a lot of layers. I think they're building a lot of layers into what it means to be this kind of, you know, this Jedi. And it, I think what is interesting from Sabine's perspective is that she's she's mirroring the Anakin storyline. She's doing everything that um, Anakin did and, and believing the word of, of someone that she clearly probably shouldn't do and Palpatine screwed him. But I don't think Balaam will. I actually don't think Balaam will. I think they've written that character enough that his word is his, is his bond. Um, and I, I think he will kill Shin. I think he'll be the one that kills her. Um, 
and because she doesn't necessarily get it, whether she's killed or not, whatever. But I think if anyone's going to kill it, yeah, there's the building up the antagonism between Shin and Sabine. Maybe Sabine gets the the edge on it. But I've just got a feeling Balaam might be the one that just says, "Look, you know, I said we're doing this, and you said you were not doing it, so you're out." Um, and I just think he, I just think he will live to his word because, you know, Ezra's a, pretty much a Jedi. You know, he, he seems to love the Jedi. It didn't need to come to this. He's talking to a circle. It didn't need to come to this. You know, he's going to try and recruit Ezra, isn't it? So yeah, there's yeah. there's a few interesting things in it. So yeah, no, the Sabine one, I think is, I th they're just right in a like Anakin, which, you know, emotional, petulant when there's emotion involved, um, driven by what she believes is right. And if that happens to sort of align with what the galaxy needs, then cool. But if not, then fuck it. Um and so I do think there's a lot of, I think this entire series is very much about mirroring Anakin's fall. And even almost to a degree, I think it will potentially end where in a very similar way, not necessarily Sabine falling, but I think there'll be someone, I think they'll, the ending will end up, you know, Sabine's pretty much back on side. Um, but Thrawn's back, the Empire's back and so on and so forth. And then you've got this time frame to deal with. Um, so I think she's really interestingly written. I think she's really interestingly written. And I, I think what's lovely about it is they've really nailed her from the Rebels show. Mm -hmm. Like it's really tightly nailed to her characterization on that one. And there were a few little throwaways as well, you know, things like, you know, Balin saying, you know, you lost your family on Mandalore in the, which we can only assume is the purge that Moff Gideon undertook um, because they're alive and kicking, I think in at the end of Rebels. So you've got to assume it's the Mandalorian purge, which Gideon took. Um, so, yeah, really well-layered stuff, dude. Exactly, yeah. Exactly that layered. And, that, and that's what Filoni does so well. It doesn't take... Um, it, it's not like a... Like you were saying earlier, it's not a good, bad, light, dark thing with a lot of his stories. Even when he did The Rebels, like a, a kid's show, for all intents and purposes, it's uh, a lot of The Rebels episodes, and especially The Clone Wars, but even Rebels that some assume is a little bit more kiddie than the Clone Wars. I disagree to a certain extent, but even some of that was very layered and you got the feeling that it wasn't just a, yeah, go to this planet, rescue these people, do this thing or, you know, liberate these people and that'll be all good. So, and I think that was lacking with some of the other Star Wars stuff that we've seen on Disney plus to a degree as well, like especially some of the book of Boba Fett stuff that wasn't, you didn't get the feeling that was as layered and multidimensional. It was very much a, character was eaten but not really came back to life now just wants to do this thing um you know even though they try to weave in some of the bits from one of the books and whatnot you know it doesn't i don't know like feloni stuff when he really gets in the zone it just feels like you could re-watch this stuff three or four times and like pick out like little bits you didn't quite catch before mm. a little bit so and sabine's a great example of that it's right from episode one it's like yep here's the character from rebels as you know and love but you know a couple bits have happened to her and now she's like this as a result but it's very very consistent and layered yeah. which is great um yeah so Sabine was very cool um the kind of identity reveal for Marek then that was like a that was a sweepstake almost thing that was going around the internet for the last couple of weeks and you know we had the whole is by some weird, <laughs> uh, weird uh, destiny. Is that Ezra? You know, is Ezra back as this weird 
Inquisitors or whatever that might be. Is it um, was it Starkiller? All of those things. It turns out it was just likely a, a resurrected Night Brother that Morgan's, mm. you know, uh, has done that thing. So a little bit gutted that that character's gone because I think they could have played that for another episode or two. But uh, a nice little reveal nonetheless, though. Yeah, I think they just cleaned house for the Force users. I think they just needed to, you know. Um, so, it, yeah, I, I was yeah, I was sort of pleasantly surprised that it was maybe like Night Sister Magic, you know, whether it was a Night Brother, whether it was a, res- a genuinely resurrected Inquisitor, um, you know, because he had, <laughs> he had Inquisitor moves, didn't he? Um, whether we'll find out in some canon book later that it was he was just a Jedi that got killed as part of the the, the, the the pre-Return of the Jedi era sort of, you know, Inquisitor Jedi tussling going on. Um, or, or, or not, who knows? You know, I think we'll maybe get some of that. But I, I just like the idea it was anonymous and I like the idea it was it was night sister magic. It showed what Morgan Elspeth can really do if, if, if indeed that is how that is to be interpreted. Um, but it was nice because it would have been a distraction, wouldn't it? You know, I had all, there was all sorts of people saying it's Luke. Um, <laughs> like it's not Luke it's not Anakin it's not Ezra it's not anyone it's not it was I don't think it was ever gonna be because if that gets revealed to be Ezra it's like it was too obvious mm. and then no way was it gonna be Luke because it's like how do you explain that that's a that's a real edge one how could it possibly it be is, Luke well it's, everyone was saying it was the, the Luke you know the clone from the Air to Empire trilogy <laughs> um, and I just no. thought that was wild because suddenly Luke takes over again and there's nothing wrong with that if that's the plan and and you know like it was in Mando it was brilliant to see but it's a circus show we've waited all the time don't let Luke take over and that's you know all joking aside we've, we've said it before and there was a little meme I think with Anakin you know it's like hello snips and in the world between worlds at the end hello snips she turns around and is like you need to call my fucking son quick you know because it's <laughs> because you would do you know the, the biggest yeah. threat to the entire galaxy your two Jedi that you had Kanan and Ezra they're gone what are you going to do? Who should we ring? I don't know. Do you want to... Do you think we should maybe tell... Like, who do we know? Hmm. We need probably someone that's pretty good jedi Good Force stuff. Got his own ship. And we probably need someone that breaks the rules. And we might need someone that's got a bit of authority in the Senate. If only we knew three people like that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He sort of, and yeah. this is the problem, isn't it, with this era of Star Wars, is that you get someone as badass as Ahsoka, which is Mint, and you can see her taking on that battle, and you can see um, Hera taking on that battle and acting as the Han Solo of the group and being Phoenix leader and all that amazing stuff that we saw in this episode. Um, but, like, where's the Millennium Falcon? Like, if you need someone to go to the other galaxy, like, who, who, the, who are you going to get? You know, it's, and it's just, so that's the problem with this, this era, isn't it? Is that the threat can never be big enough to bring Luke in, you know? Yeah. I read you. It's like, it's tough. It's tough. uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's almost, um, I wouldn't say it's a problem, but it's, it's almost an issue that you run into with not just this, but the video games as well. So, um, I re-downloaded Jedi Survivor because they've just released a brand new patch for it, which is apparently fixed all the performance issues and everything which plagued it at release and that got me thinking just as you mentioned it there about the whole Cal Kestis thing and what's going on there it's like um there's it it comes across like there's big shit going on as is with this show here but 
is it that big that you don't have the big ones in to, to sort it out? So you have to weigh that up, don't you? It, it, you know, it's a big threat to the galaxy because the way that they're putting it across is Thrawn is, you know, as the name suggests from the old books, they've just pulled that vibe from the books. It's like, he's the dude that's now going to just upend all the, all the cool, all the cool stuff that's happening with the new Republic and everything now in the galaxy. So why aren't the big, you know, the big three involved to stop it? It's the same thing with like the Avengers and all that sort of stuff in it. Um, you know, if, if you, if, if there is a celestial in the sea, then there's absolutely not a way on earth that not at least one of the Avengers is just going to go to Saturn. <laughs> yeah. Or the, 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 the remnants of what was shield or whatever are not going to cl- clock fucking seismic activity, you know, well, what's that then? Yeah, so it's, yeah, I think that's the problem when you've got these mega universes is that there's always someone that's the mega hero. It's a Superman problem, isn't it? If, if you're writing Justice League, you either write him out of it or you, you do a Grant Morrison and embrace it and just say, well, yeah, he's the guy, so I'm going to write everything so big that he has to be involved. And I'll think of good ways to do the other people that fit into that. You know, I'm, a, I'm not going to try and make... It's like, it was one of the things that Dawn of Justice did well for Batman. It's like, okay, yeah, of course he's shit against Doomsday. So let him, let him go and do other stuff. You know, let him go and do this other stuff. Um... Yeah, so true. it's yeah, yeah. It's a it's a tough situation with someone like Luke because you want to see as much of him as possible. But if he comes in, you know, it, is it, if he's if he's canon Luke, he's not really as powerful yet as as Ahsoka. Which well, he certainly is not as experienced. Whether he's as powerful or not is TBC. But if it's if it's Legends Luke, he's almost stupidly overpowered. Like we said when I, when we talked about Heir to the Empire before, it's like, you know, oh. The microwave's broken on the ship. Don't worry about it. The Force has got uh, microwave healing power that I've just invented for this reason. And it, they, do that, they do that with everything. It's like, oh, you need to hold your breath to get this impossible swim. Don't worry, the Force. I can do that with the Force. So it sort of got stupid, you know? And that's why you can't bring Luke in, I think. Yeah, yeah that's a good shout. Otherwise, you just end up with crutch mechanisms that just... Y- yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I know what you mean, dude. And I think... um as you move through this, it'll be interesting to see what they do after this whole era because there's only so much stories that you can craft within this era before it starts to just get stupidly crowded. And then that just compounds the issue of all of this stuff going on, but yet nobody like Luke comes in and intervenes or knows what's going on and stuff. So yeah, be interesting to see what they do after this whole Filoni wrap-up movie, you know, all that stuff. So um Okay, let's whisk for another couple of characters before we talk about a couple of juicy bits. Um, it's good to see um, Carson Teva back, the the uh, X-wing pilot who um, who we've seen a couple of times, haven't we? Pop up in Mandalorian and stuff, and uh, it's he's he's almost like the the Poe Dameron, almost isn't he? Like the sequel trilogy, he's like the like, like the ace pilot, the do gooder, the guy that you know can see what's going on and doesn't always obey orders. Um, but good to see him back, dude. Yeah, he's he's becoming like the go-to guy if you need someone. He's becoming like they said. He's you know, uh, Hera mentioned Hera mentioned that you know, just once a rebel, always a rebel. You know, so that that's quite a nice thing. It shows a little bit of his background as well. You know, maybe he was, he was probably a rebel before this. Um, and I think on that note as well, it was great to see the squadron of X-wings. It was great to see the ghost doing ghost things. It was great mm. to see Jason in there as the co-pilot, the little cane and Easter egg with the picture. Um, a lot of people saying that's Freddie Prince Jr. 
you know, maybe we'll come to this in a bit, whether we're going to see different timelines uh, next week. Maybe, probably, probably. Um, is Freddie Prince going to be in it? Like a 40% chance. Um, so there, there was, yeah, it was just nice to see Carson, and, and but also all of them just doing ghost things. And I loved when the Scion jumped. Like, that was visually spectacular. It was like Holdo Maneuver, you know, style graphics. Really, really good stuff. Um, I love how much it shook the crew. I love how much, how much it just, you know, it just blew them away. Um, I loved sort of the fear on Jason's face and I've got a bad feeling, and uh, which is, again, another multi-layered thing. You know, that was just a little throwaway. Everyone says it, but also the guy's probably force sensitive. Um, and then I just, I loved that little with Morgan Elspeth, who's not really done that much this season yet. Um, I really liked her when it, when they, they sort of stood in the way of the hyperspace ring and they were, she, her answer was just ignore them. Like that was such a <laughs> nicely written, because it could have been, oh shit, you know, like we need to open fire, take them out with the cannons and then go, you know, then try and escape. And she was just like, yeah, ignore them. You know, and I just thought that was really a nice little detail that kept the pacing nicely done. Yeah, and it's one of those things that would have gone down in uh, sort of short-term history as well. It's like, yeah, we don't we don't pull out this manoeuvre very often, I'll be honest. Um, but, you know, in the last... So if you fast-forward after this era, when you get to the sequel trilogy and you see, um, uh, yeah, Holden, she's like, ah, this has been known to have done, you know, kind of worked in the past. Let's, let's rack up the old hyperdrive and just blast through a... Mu-. So, yeah... It was. It almost makes you question how many times has that been done in Star Wars? Because this is like the second time that we've seen it now, where someone's just you know whacked on the hyperdrive, and regardless of what's in front, you know, off they go. So, but that was a really cool. Uh, it was a it was a cool line because it shows her confidence more than anything. You know, it was that kind of. Uh, I wouldn't say like nonchalant kind of yeah whatever, but it was just a yeah don't worry we've got bigger fish to fry. Because she knows that if she gets drawn into a battle with the ghost and the X-Wings and so on, that's a potential, you know, the ship's getting shot down. So let's leave the small fry. Let's go after the big fish. And you you don't often see that in Star Wars, to be honest, because they always make an opportunity to see a lightsaber fight, a space battle, a f- you know, whatever it is. They always take the opportunity to show those things and get stuck in. So, yeah. Yeah, like that, dude. It was very cool. Um. Let's talk about Balin and the fight with Ahsoka around the star map, because at this point they've split up. She's left Sabine to handle Shin, those who are having a, a decent little scrap. We don't need to talk about much with that, really, because you will, you reference the best bit of the fight anyway, where they do the lightsaber bit, and then Sabine thinks, right, I'll use the force in this bit. It's going to be badass. doesn't quite pan out, you know. And then uh, and then that's that. Uh, but so the the lightsaber fight with Ahsoka and Balin that that was the that was very very cool and it showed a couple of little nuances that we hadn't seen before with Ahsoka as well more than anything because we're we're fresh to seeing Balin's character anyway so we're not really sure about the chops that he's got with lightsaber battles it seems like he's got a fairly traditional style a fairly like run of the mill um, sort of Jedi training you know that kind of thing but Ahsoka we know is slightly different anyway. She wields two lightsabers. She holds them in different stances at time to time. In this one, though, she used one lightsaber the whole time, which is quite interesting. It's almost like she knew 
that Balin's style was quite traditional, so she wanted to match that perhaps. Um, and there was a couple of really cool little force bits, and the two of them just played off of each other really well. Balin's obviously very experienced, whereas Ahsoka, although experienced, this was like the first time that she went up against somebody that was a bit of a match, which is very cool. The other lightsaber fight she's had previously, she had a little glint in her eye from time to time, a little grin here and there, a little bit of self-confidence. She knew what the crack was. But so this fight was the first time that she was tested in a while, it felt like. And like you mentioned earlier, Balin's such a good character, like psychologically strong, you know, pretty good with the old lightsaber. So uh, to me, that was one of the best lightsaber fights we've seen in a while, dude. Thought that was very cool. Yeah, I agree. And it was it was like like you said, it was the first time she or it felt like the first time she came up against an actual master. Um which she's not gonna do that often these days. You know, the probably the last time she came up against a master was probably against Vader, really. Yeah. Um so I mean, yeah, probably, you'd think, unless there's anything else that we've missed. But um <clears throat> yeah, I, I agree. I, I it was um it was very well done. It showed her athleticism, it showed um she had a lot of Anakin's fighting style in there as well. We saw that when she was fighting Shin, uh, sorry, fighting Marek, where she took Anakin's stance, the overhead, you know, very aggressive stance. Um, but also showed her athleticism a little bit. There was a couple of weird things in there, like, you know, why is she running to get the map when she could just get the use the force on it? I know that they needed to, from a story perspective, to keep it interesting. But you just, you, why would you not pull it out with the force? Like, I just, that was sort of a weird, I get it, but sort of weird. Um, I, lo- I loved the ho- that whole sequence from that point in, you know, everything from her getting burnt, um, you know, is the map burnt into her hand in some sort of Home Alone tribute? <laughs> do we get, you know, <laughs> do we, is that how they get there? I don't know. Um, Home Alone. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? I mean, we're clearly going to see the Purgle do something, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the whole Ahsoka falling off the cliff thing, um, it was good because Balin switched his style up to be very Anakin. He was he was just big, two-handed, beat the crap out of you with power swings. Like he was not out dueling her at that point. He was just hitting her that hard that she couldn't move forward. She could just move back and he just knocked her towards the edge of the cliff. Um like that was a real Okay, I'm I'm pissed off now. What have you done that for? Um and even the sort of it didn't come to this, it shouldn't have come to this or whatever, it was unnecessary, whatever he said. Um, that was all very Anakin, all very boom, boom, boom. Um, and then obviously the necessity for him to to get rid of Ahsoka, chucking her off the cliff, was it was there for Sabine. You know, he needed her out of the way because otherwise she'd talk Sabine down. Um, so you could, yeah, it was all, again, all very well done stuff. Um, and I, yeah, I enjoyed all the fights in this one. Um, I thought Sabine stood up to Shin a little bit too well, given how terrible she's been throughout this entire season with a lightsaber. Um, she lost to a droid, not a highly trained force user. Um, and then suddenly she's standing toe-to-toe with it. Granted, she didn't really do too much. And, and it was nice to see the Mandalorian, you know, because she got all that gear from, I think, the last season of the Mandal- of Rebels, maybe season three. Um, the, the wrist shooters, and, you know, the genuine Mandalorian tech that she was missing for the first two and a half seasons. So it was nice to see that play out. Um, but I just thought it was all really nicely done. It was all... Balaam was very Dooku-esque. He was very... Even mm. Obi-Wan in the OT. He was very, you know, uh, you know, I respect this. And this is an honourable fight. And it just felt... It, it, 
just felt in keeping with the character. You know, there was no mega acrobatics. There was some from Ahsoka. Um, but it was very much a duel, you know, a respectful duel, which I think says something about that character. Um, and then, for, you know, that ending, kick him off, kick uh, Ahsoka off the edge, you know, which then leads us to, to, to where we are at the end, which we'll get to in a second. It was, it was, it was just a means to an end for so many different reasons, but it was, you know, it, you've got to believe that he believes he's pushed her off and killed her sort of thing. So it was just all very nicely done, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that the reference to them potentially being able to find their way to the other galaxy as the map burnt into her hand. I love that we have one of the most sort of another Lucasfilm um, uh, thing with the whole Indiana Jones, a razor lost arc, you know, the, um, uh, the staff of Ra that's burnt into his yeah. hand. I love that you went with home alone versus, you know, <laughs> rather than Indiana Jones, which is probably more, but yeah, um, uh, that's got a player. That's because when you see her hand afterwards, there's loads more detail that's burnt yeah. in, you, you know, so that's got a She's got apart. gloves on as well. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so that's like tarnished, you know, the material. So you can't get away from that at least. So even if her skin or whatever heals, whatever, the, the map is in the glove basically. Well, part of the map. Mm. So that could be a, you know, that could be a Goonies thing now. It's like, how do we align this part of the map with something yeah. else? you know, to get us where we need to go. But you know, it's going to be something like that. It was like, we don't yeah, have yeah. a map and then she'll be like, Oh, do we, <laughs> you know, slow hand raise into frame. And you're like, Oh, right. It's like, uh, you know, Harry Potter as well, when they're trying to find the Horcruxes and he's yeah. got the little, um, the little golden snitch. He doesn't realize that it opens, you know, he's like, Oh, I've got another bit of the puzzle. Amazing. So that's bound to happen at some point. Yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly it. Yeah, that's always it. Yeah. yeah, that always happens. Yeah, yeah. And the last thing I want to mention about Balin, just very quickly, is that you still got the feeling that he didn't want that fight to begin with in the first place. There's a there's a bit early on where Balin's like, "Take care of them, whatever." He says, "Ah, oh, whatever," and she's like, "I can sense a bit of fear in your voice." He's like, "No, not fear, just unnecessary sort of thing." So even though yeah, experience, he said, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, it's like even though. And this is the cool thing about the writing with these particular characters, these, you know, not Sith, not Jedi. It's that they're not just your run-of-the-mill baddies, because if that was the case, they'd have been slicing people down left, right, and centre. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And it was exactly the same at the very beginning of this show when they go on to the the, the ship to rescue um, Morgan. He didn't want to, like, take all those dudes out to begin with. He just wanted to go in there, bit of talky-talky, pretend to be Jedi, get Morgan and off they went. And it's the same thing with Ahsoka. He's like, I don't want to cut down any more Jedi. I don't want the Jedi to be extinct. I just want you to get out the way so I can put my plan in action, which is, he thinks is going to benefit the galaxy somehow. We don't know what his grand plan is, but um, but that was a, another very cool little character uh, sort of progression, I guess. Where they just built on that. You know, I don't mm. really want to fight Ahsoka, but she's getting in the way, so I sort of have to. You know, well, I think that out. was it, it was interesting because he sort of said like you said he said experience when she said a little bit of fear and he went no experience and then when Ahsoka pulled a saber out it was like how inevitable so you, and, and then when he said later you're lazy you know like your masters he was very purposeful about saying masters mm. whether that's Yoda whether it's classed as Obi-Wan because they were so close well, clearly Anakin because he, he, he invoked Anakin's name early um, 
But it does make you wonder, I did some maths on this one, around probably Revenge of the Scythia, this guy would have been, assume he's 55-ish, 50-55, he would have been about 23, 24, so just coming out of Padawan, um, really. Um, younger mm. than Obi-Wan, let's put that into context, younger than Obi-Wan. Um, a young fighter in the Clone Wars. Um it does make you wonder, like, did he come up against someone? How has he stayed hidden? Um, there's a lot in there that could be quite interesting, whether we'll get it or not. I think because of the sad passing of Ray Stevenson, I think we're going to see maybe a recasting for this guy. This, he's probably someone that could just about be recast if it's done really tastefully. Or my bigger bet is on, I think we're going to get a book about Balin. I think he's, he's, he's almost nailed on for a book. Defo, dude. We're absolutely getting a book. I, I imagine that's already done or halfway through. There's an author writing a book about that for sure. Um, but a, a great fight, dude. Great characters. Great fight on that one. Let's finish up with the ending. And as Mark mentioned earlier, spoilers on this one. If you've, if you've only watched a bit of the episode or you've not even seen it yet, this is the big one, the big spoiler. So uh, fair warning from here on in. So um, she gets thrown off the cliff. We think she's dead. She wakes up in the world between worlds, completely dazed to begin with, but then she very quickly has that look on her face, which is like, shit, am I dead? What's happened to me? I, I know where I am because she's been there before. She's like, I know where I am, but why am I here? You know, is this, is this like the bit, am I just like the netherworld of the force? I just wandering around now. Do I help other Jedi now who are alive? What do I do? And then just as quickly, she hears Anakin. She turns around. Anakin's there. And I'll come on to the very, very last few seconds. But for now, um, I assume, because you're such a huge Anakin fan, I assume you're happy to see uh, Chris, uh, Hayden Christensen back with a bit of de-aging, dude. I, I, I wasn't fully expecting Anakin at the end of this. Mm -hmm. I, I wasn't expecting the world between worlds. I maybe naively didn't think that they'd do the world between worlds because I think that's one of those things to the casual viewer you've got too much explaining to do. Whether they do it next week and it's just like, this is the place we come where we see all time. You know, whether it's just one of them quick throwaway things. I just felt that it, the, there was maybe too much explaining to do that, that 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 would get criticism from those that are saying, well, you've got to have watched Rebels to see it. Seems like they don't give a shit about that and they're just leaning into it, which is cool for us. We love it. Um, but I was expecting to see Anakin. I was, without a doubt. I thought, without a doubt, the last three minutes we're going to see Anakin in this. Um... I didn't know how it would occur. I thought it might be him doing something to help her out with Balin. Um, cause she was, as she was getting beaten up. Um, I thought that maybe that was the case. Um, it turns out it probably is the case. You know, she was falling off a cliff to what appeared to be a pretty reasonable death. Um, or <laughs> not cause it's star Wars. Pretty reasonable, pretty yeah. reasonable death, but someone's pulled her out into the world between worlds. Is it Anakin? Is it someone else who's put him there? You know, there's a lot of speculation we can talk about on that. Um, but I expected to see Anakin. It was nice to see him in the revenge of the Sith stuff. There's a lot of talk about, is that Vader's saber? Is it his saber? With, with, because they're in a dark place. It looks black. Um, you, this is a, that's a prime example of, you've never been able to please star Wars fans, people bitching about the de-aging pretty much the same people that went, why didn't they de-age better in Obi-Wan? Like, what? Have a word. Um, everything about that entire thing was great, man. The framing of it, the, you know, hello, snips. Um, 
the framing of the shot, which every time they see each other or leave each other, it's over the shoulder. Um, you know, one of them is over the shoulder to the other. So there's a lot of different symbolism in this from a Filoni perspective, and it's all Filoni. Um, and it's just interesting. You know, the line that I found most interesting was, didn't expect to see you so soon. Because you can read that in a few different ways. Like, you know, this is a young death. All right, that's the first one. That's the most obvious one. It's a young death, all right? You're sorry that you've died so young. Whatever, okay? And then, But then for me, there's the... Well, it was in Revenge of the Sith Garb. If this... And I'm not sure it is, but if this is indeed Anakin, and he's come out of time, he's probably only just left her on Mandalore to go and sort the Chancellor out, where he's off at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith, and she's off sorting Maul out in in Clone Wars season seven. Um, or there's nothing to it, so I don't know. But yeah, no, the whole thing was intriguing, dude, and it sets up. I mean, we know that this next year, next month, sorry, next week, even. There's a theatrical release for a 49-minute Dave Filoni episode. It's going to be massive, let's be honest. Um, yeah, just there's a lot to unpack with that. But yeah, I was delighted to see Anakin. Um, and I think we're in store for something interesting next week. I've seen a lot of speculation about what this episode will be, which we can probably spend a few minutes on. But um, I, I think it will be something to absolve Ahsoka of this guilt and we'll start to see the lighter-hearted Ahsoka Um like we did Obi-Wan as well. I think this is Anakin doing what he did for Obi-Wan in a very different way. You know, talk, maybe I saw a rumour. Um, I hope it's not true because if so, there'll be less surprise for me. Um, but I'll say it anyway, of where he's going to show a different timelines, you know, and just saying he would have still fallen to the dark side, even if she'd have got involved. And it would have been him fighting her on Mustafar and whatever. I sort of hope it's not that obvious. I sort of hope it's not. And I'm putting... We always predict these things and we always get it wrong because the writers are better than we are. Um, but that's the that's the persistent rumour that I've seen and I just hope it's wrong. I just I hope they do something deeper than that. So something more original than that. Yeah, you would hope so. And you know, old Filoni behind the wheel. He's not he's not let us down yet on Ahsoka, so we'll see. There are two things that I've uh, and I agree with everything you've just said. It was it was great to see Anakin back. Uh, great to see him in his prequel days, you know, before he starts to really, you know, before the shit hits the fan with all that stuff. The two things that um, I thought were really interesting is that you saw Ahsoka's character change instantly for the first time. In to, in Because up to now, when someone's mentioned Anakin... She's always just dismissed it with a straight face. She doesn't want to get drawn into conversation about anything to do with Anakin. I think earlier on in the series, she mentioned something like, you know, I walked away from him and, and the Jedi and, you know, I left all that behind. As soon as she hears his voice for real, if it is Anakin, she immediately is like, oh my God, it's, it's you sort of thing. It's so I think she was, she's kind of put up this barrier emotionally. She doesn't want to get into anything about Anakin previous to this point as soon as she sees and hears him her demeanor completely changes you know and she's so i thought that was interesting and then second of all when the music so after they've done their little thing and they're kind of just looking at each other the music at the end starts to play a few little notes of anakin's theme but then when the screen goes black mm -hmm. it's the last few notes of vader's theme exactly and i thought that was really because a lot of people were just as soon as that's because there's a few seconds break 
and the screen goes black, if you've turned it off at that point, you might have missed a really important, like literally one and a half seconds bit of, of narrative there or some foreshadowing. So I thought that was also really interesting. It's like, on one hand, here's Anakin, like good side Anakin, before he gets too troubled. But the theme at the end is like, that's Vader's music. So that's exactly. like, do you know what I mean? So I thought those two things were really interesting. And uh, next week's episode, I think is going to be just, m- like you said, massive. Because you wouldn't whack that one in the cinema. for no. Just because it's like, you know for the sake of it, or it's just midway point in a series. You wouldn't do that. And you've also got to think as well that it, it's going to... It can't just be character stuff, which we'd absolutely fucking love. You know, just... I don't, I, you'd take 50 minutes of just them two talking and sorting the shit out. Like, and we'd, abs- we'd be loving it. Like, you've got a kid, Luke. I know you're not going to believe this, but... You, and, like, there's a lot in there. You know, there's a lot of stuff in there that could be badass just from talking. But for it to go in cinemas, it can't be. You're going to have lightsaber fights, you're going to have space battles, you're going to have the lot. It will be, in my mind, because of the budget that Ahsoka's clearly got, because the, the, the visuals on it are excellent, You, this will have elements of everything, in my mind. And I would maybe even say that you might get Luke. You maybe, you maybe might even get Luke in there as well. Um, just because... When when is there a better opportunity to see Luke and Anakin on screen together? You know, True. and I ju- yep. I just don't know if there's any better chance apart from maybe later in Air to the Empire if there's some if Filoni decides to do the I'll give I'll show you all the Jedi. Forget Rise of Skywalker, I'll do it. You know, unless there's part of that. Um, hmm. Like so, let, let's just have like two minutes speculating on this, right? Is this Anakin? Is the first question. If it is Anakin, where's he from? How did he get there? Or is this Palpatine screwing with people? Is it someone else screwing with people? Is this Anakin, but he's already Vader, he's just slaughtered everyone at the Jedi Temple? Like, the questions are off the charts with this one. I think there's one thing that can be certain. It's probably, it's not, it's not, all is not as it seems. You know, you, 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 you can guarantee the first thing, we left on a high this last episode. The beginning of the next episode has to be Ahsoka going, ah, hang on, wait a fucking second here. The last time I saw you, you nearly killed me on Malachor, right? So I know that's I know that's you. I know that's how you end up. What is this? And I know she knows yeah. about the world between worlds, but yeah, just speculation, man. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think it is Anakin. I do think that, but I think it's I think he's been pulled in there by the Force to intervene, but it, that he's unaware of that. That's my guess. Because everything that we've seen up to this point in terms of um, films and TV, and even books, there's, it seems very unlikely that we've missed a gap somewhere where Anakin just suddenly disappeared for a while, went off to the world, world between worlds, did this stuff with Ahsoka, came back, has no recollection. That seems too tidy. That's, that's like the whole Dallas, I woke up, it was a dream kind of thing. So... I think that was Dallas, was it? It was. Yeah. Um, so that that seems too a little bit too wrapped up in a nice little bow. We don't have to retcon anything to accomplish that. So I think it is Anakin, but it's another some excuse the pun. Another force has driven that, and he's there purely on autopilot, if you like, via the force to to help out. That's my guess. 
I just wonder about that, though. How do you reconcile everything that he's done as Vader, if that's Anakin before he becomes Vader, or even just as he's becoming Vader? Because he's in Revenge of the Sith, Clone Wars, Gab. How, how do you reconcile the whole... Because he'll just say, nah, I'll not do that. Of course I'll not. I'm the greatest Jedi ever at this point. Uh, you know, Not if necessarily. It, if it's any time pre-Vader, though, he's, he'll just he'll believe in himself that much. He'll just say, I'm not going to do it. Not, not necessarily, because remember at this point, if, if that is Revenge of the Sith Anakin, which it looks like it is at that point, remember he's still pretty much tipping point dark side at that point. So it's not like he doesn't have any kind of feeling or emotion to the dark side at this point. Because yeah, but of if Palpatine's. she says, you're going to kill all the Jedi, all the younglings, and you're going to kill Padme, or you're going to think you kill Padme, and you're going to have a fight with Obi-Wan. Like, that's all. He's that arrogant that he's going to be like, nah, not, I wouldn't come to that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I just, it feels to me like it's too convenient for him to purposefully go off and do that and come back and not one reference to it in any point. Exactly. You know, so I feel like something else is driving that. Like you said, it could be palps, could be something else. I don't know. It could be an imposter. Yeah. You know, this could be, could be anybody. Could be um, Force Ghost even. I mean, this could be Force Ghost Anakin in, in, in the form that ooh, we yeah, see him. Yeah. You know, and it's just the world between worlds is accessible to Force. Maybe that's how they get around. As in like Return of the Jedi Force Ghost Anakin. That's what I was thinking. I know he had different robes on, but you know, maybe that's just how he gets around. Yeah, like World Between Worlds Ubers. Exactly that. Just walk down there, and you know, because they're all knockabout together, don't they? They do, yeah. And also World Between Worlds, we don't know enough about it yet. We just know it's like this ethereal, time tra- timey-wimey. Yeah, all time is together. Yeah. And so that, all, yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. It's, but I just, I just feel like there's something more to it. I, I hope it's not as simple as... Mm. In order to show you spectacular, awesome, badass stuff, I'm going to take you through a what could have been of the timeline. And yeah, we're going to see some fucking awesome stuff. Like we're going to see young Ahsoka again, and we're going to see Hayden Christensen, DH, fighting in the Clone Wars. It's going to be fucking awesome, right? That would be badass. But I just hope it's not a... Here's five of those, like, it's a wonderful life. Here's what could (laughs) be. But I'll always... This is a fixed point. Let's use Doctor Who vernacular. You know, it's a fixed point. It can't be changed. It's it will it will always come to pass that I'm the chosen one, and this is how I fix things and balance everything. I will, it's not your fault, Soka. But I've shown you ten timelines that make for good viewing and amazing cinema. I just hope it's not that. I hope it's not as. Actually, I was going to say I hope it's not as cheap as that. But if it is that, I hope it's done, and we've got and it has to be that. Then I hope it's done that well that it doesn't it doesn't cheapen it. You know, it's not just, he has, mm. he has spectacle with no consequence. You know, I don't want that. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that would do a bit of a disservice to the long-term mm, storyline as well, because otherwise it will just be viewed as a, like you said, however badass it will be, it will be an isolated little bit of badass. But doesn't really do anything for the end game, you know, post that. So, Do you think Ahsoka's yeah. dead? No, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think she will... She will die. I think, you know, don't need to be negative ninny, but I think she will. She will die, but just not at this bit. Yeah. Do you think she'll yeah. come back as something else? You know, because do you think she got pulled out before death? Yeah. Yeah. If we're going to play on the whole Gandalf thing again, he comes back as the white. 
yeah. wizard after dying as the grey wizard, isn't he? He comes back as same dude, but just a different sort of thing about. So yeah, probably that would be my guess. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Has your score changed before we wrap up? Is it, is it still, after talking through it, it's still eight, eight and a half or nine? Yeah, I think it's got to be a nine for me. And it's this is, I mean, it's only in small part to do with the World Between Worlds law Anakin stuff. For me, it was just a very good bit of Star Wars. A very good bit of Star I, I honestly think that all the people moaning about the pacing of it will do the same thing that I've sort of done with Obi-Wan and, and, and Andor when it's all done and look at it as one unit of work and think, actually, that was pretty well done. Um you know, and it, it's, um, it like I said before, if you put it against things like the Patterson cut, which uh, re- remove all emotion, all humanity, everything from, from Obi-Wan, you end up with something that's like a fan fiction film. And I just think when you, you look at Rogue One, you look at some of the movies that it's got to compete with, and the, the audience is more critical these days as well. Let's be completely honest. The audience is way more critical these days. Because everyone's got social media and everyone knows what thinks they know what they're talking about. Um, I, I just I feel that it will pan out in such a way that it it's, it will realise that it's very well done. Um, so yeah, still a nine for me. Question for you: I'm, I'm sure your score's not changed. Um, no. So I'm I'm going to ask you: Do you think we'll see Zeb? Uh, I think we will, and this this is very non felony for me, but I think we will just because they've they've blown some money on building that 3d <laughs> yeah. model um, already so i want to get some money's worth out of lucas um not lucasfilm um ilm yeah but i don't think we'll see him for like any big kind of story he's not going to progress the story forward he's just going to be there as backup in yeah another i agree ep- you know what i mean yeah i think it'll end up i think we'll end up with with the rebels again i think we'll just end up with the rebels crew again going yeah, and sorting probably. a soaker out you know mm-hmm. i can see um because we said didn't we we said that Oh, it'll probably end up where the ship's knackered, and Hugh Yang blew the ship to to alert Sabine and Ahsoka. So, I, does the ghost just come and get him, and they leave the Ahsoka ship there, and then suddenly, boom, you know, you've got your rebels back together? Um, so, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see, indeedy. So, our scores are unanimously a nine, which I think is well deserved. It was a great episode. Um, a little heads up: we won't be around this week. Mark and I are both on vacay this week, so I don't think we're going to get around to recording our review for part five this week so we will do that either next week as if we get time we'll do a standalone one for that because i think there's going to be so much in it we'll need to talk through or if not we'll do a condensed one for parts five and six so just stay tuned for what we're going to do for review for next week but for now let's stick a pin in it for episode three Thank you very much for listening to another episode of the Ahsoka Review Podcast. A really cool episode to um, to chat through on this one. Some very cool stuff. Let us know what you think. Um, you can hit us up over on our Spark of Rebellion social media, which is over on Twitter and Instagram. So just head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Twitter. You can send us uh, a message or, or re- uh, do a public reply there. We talk about Star Wars each week throughout the week anyway. So um, come and get involved over there. Make sure you're following and subscribing to this podcast so you won't miss our thoughts and reviews as we go through the rest of the Ahsoka series. And if you want to keep, be kept up to date with all the Star Wars news and everything that's going on, listen to our sister show, part of nerdpodcast.com, which is Spark of Rebellion. And you can do that by doing a search in your preferred podcast app or head over to sparkofrebellion.com. 
until next time dude it's been cool chatting through all the Ahsoka stuff always good man yeah plenty to talk about anytime Filoni is involved so excited to see what happens next week and yeah I'll see you on the next one see the city indeed until then take care of yourself and may the force be with you always <laughs>